Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. If you would, turn in your Bibles with me to Genesis chapter 20. Genesis chapter 20. I think, uh, was it Yogi Berra? that said, it's deja vu all over again. (laughs) Um, Here we see Abraham in this chapter doing this same thing that he's done before. Chapter 12 was where we picked up with the Abraham story. We we see God's calling on Abraham's life that that God tells him, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to Bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you and I'm going to make you a blessing to all nations. Every nation will be blessed through you. And then right after that, Abraham treats his wife with shame. He tells her, tell Pharaoh that you're my sister. And he is not being a very godly or courageous man for that matter. Instead, he uses his wife as a human shield. He, he puts her up and, and, as the one who's vulnerable so that he would be protected himself. And here we are in chapter 20, several chapters later, and Abraham's back to his old tricks again. As I was preparing to, to come up here and preach, I was talking with uh, John Wilson here, and um, uh, a song came to mind, and maybe not everybody would be familiar with it, but I'll, and I'm not going to sing it, but I'll quote the lyrics, oh, <laughs> and, and maybe some of you might uh, recognize it just from the lyrics. Not everyone will. Here I am again on my own, going down the road, the only road I've never I've ever known. You recognize that, Anybody? Here's what Abraham was doing. He's, he's got this pattern of sin that he just keeps falling for over and over again. And, and we're going we're gonna to look at the text now. Beginning in verse 1. From there, Abraham journeyed toward the territory of the Negev and lived between Kadesh and Shur. And he sojourned in Gerar. And Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, she's my sister. And Abimelech, king of Gerar, said to Sarah, but, I'm sorry, sent and took Sarah. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, behold, you're a dead man because of the woman whom you've taken, for she is a man's wife. Now, Abimelech had not approached her. So he said, Lord, will you, will you kill an innocent people? Did he not himself say to me, she's my sister? And she herself said, he's my brother? In the, in the integrity of my heart and the innocence of my hands, I have done this. Then God said to him in the dream, yes, I know that you have done this in the integrity of your heart. And it was I who kept you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. Now, then, return the man's wife, for he is a prophet, so that he will pray for you, and you shall live. 
But if you do not return her, know that you shall surely die, you and all who are yours. So Abimelech rose early in the morning and called all his servants and told them all these things. And the men were very much afraid. Then Abimelech and Abraham brought, uh, said to him, What have you done to us? And how have I sinned against you that you have brought on me and my kingdom a great sin? You have done this, you have done to me things that ought not be done. And Abimelech said to Abraham, What did you see that you did this thing? Abraham said, I did it because I thought, there's no fear of God at all in this place. And they will kill me because of my wife. Besides, she is indeed my sister, the daughter of my father, though not the daughter of my mother. And she became my wife. And when God caused me to wander from my father's house, I said to her, this is the kindness you must do to me. At every place which we come, say of me, he is my brother. Then Abimelech took sheep and oxen and male servants and female servants and gave them to Abraham and returned Sarah, his wife, to him. And Abimelech said, Behold, my land is before you. Dwell where it pleases you. To Sarah, he said, Behold, I have given you your brother a thousand pieces of silver. It is a sign of your innocence in the eyes of all who are with you. And before everyone, you are vindicated. Then Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech, and also, <coughs> and also healed his wife and female slaves, so that they bore children. For the Lord had closed all the wombs of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you sometimes prevent us from doing all the sinful things that we have in our heart. Father, we thank you that you are merciful to us and you bless us in spite of our sin. We did not deserve you. We did not deserve your grace. But you have been gracious and kind to us in Jesus Father, tonight let us hear your word and rejoice because you are a gracious and compassionate God. And let us be warned about the danger of sin. Lord, pray, I pray that this would help us as we fight against it, that we would have more ammunition in the fight that we would wrestle better. Father, give me grace and strength as I preach your word in Jesus' name. Amen. So to back up a little bit, from, the very, from chapter 12 on, we keep seeing there is a promise that Abraham is going to have a son. And that Abraham is going, he is the one who's carrying the divine seed. He's carrying the seed of the woman. 
that's been narrowing its way down ever since Adam and Eve in the garden. Adam and Eve had been promised there as the curse was made upon the snake, upon the serpent. God told them, one of these days, there would be a seed of the woman, a descendant of Eve, who will come and crush the serpent's head. We come to Noah and Noah's father. Whenever he named him, he named him Rest because he thought, maybe this one's the one that's going to give us rest from the curse, from the labor and the toil of our hands. Maybe this is going to be the one, and, and, and we know it wasn't, but yet Noah was the one that carried that line on. And we come down to Abraham, and we see this promise to Abraham. He's going to bless Abraham, that one of his descendants is going to be this seed of the woman that we've traced all the way through Genesis to this point. We see that this one of Abraham's sons, one that would come from his own body, one that would come from him and his wife, Sarah, is going to be the Messiah eventually. And in the last chapter, we saw God was... Well, not in the last chapter, but the previous chapters. God had visited Abraham and Sarah and told them, by this time next year, you're going to finally have a child and you're going to call him Isaac. You're going to call him Laughter. In spite of that, in spite of the fact that God promised next year this time you're going to have a child, Abraham falls back into his old patterns. Abraham here is not having faith in God. Abraham is thinking, well, if God's going to keep His promise, then I've got to live. And my, my safety is higher than anything else. That's what Abraham's thinking. And so... In order to keep me safe, I'm going to jeopardize Sarah's safety. Totally wrong thinking. It's a horrible plan. Abraham was taking what he thought would be a way to achieve God's promises in his own flesh, in his own hands. He's done this before. We see the same thing with Hagar. Here he is, he's waiting, God, give me a child, and, and he's promised, God's promised that he's going to have a child, and yet, clock's ticking, no child is born, and Sarah offers, well, just take my maidservant. And he takes matters into his own hands, and it's sin. God tells him it's not Ishmael, who the promise is going to be in, it's Isaac. Well, at that time he didn't know the name. But it's going to be a son that comes from Sarah. And again, Abraham, in his lack of faith, he's saying, God, I still don't have a son. The only heir I have is Eliezer of Damascus. God affirms, you're going to have a son. He's going to come through Sarah. He's going to be from your own body. And now they've got this promise. This time next year, you're going to have a son. You're going to name him Isaac. You'd think that of all the times that Abraham would protect Sarah, it'd be then. 
I mean, it's possible that by this time, Sarah was already pregnant. And yet Abraham, he's not thinking of his wife. He's thinking of my own safety. Protecting number one. And this is a habitual matter. At the end of the, at the, end of the passage, he tells Abimelech, that this has been a plan that he's hatched all throughout at every place I go. Remember verse um, um, let me see. In verse 13 it says, "And when God caused me to wander from my father's house, I said to her, this is the kindness you must do to me every place in which we come. Say of me, he's my brother. This is a habitual pattern. He's using his wife as a, as a human shield. Abraham is a complicated character, isn't he? The New Testament lifts him up as the example of faith. This is what faith looks like. Abraham. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. We read that in the Genesis passages as well. But at the same time, we see Abraham is someone who oftentimes lacked faith. We see Abraham is somebody who was often a sinner. And this is something that should give us great hope. Amen? I'm a sinner. You're all sinners. I'm not being offensive there. I'm just stating a fact. The Bible tells us we're sinners. We've all broken God's laws. We all deserve wrath and condemnation. And yet God is gracious and kind to us. He does not sweep us away because of our sins, because of Jesus, because of the promise that He's made to Abraham. Kind of getting away from the text here, although I'm explaining it kind of on a big level here. Um, Abraham journeyed towards the territory of the Negev, and between he lived between Kadesh and Shur, and he sojourned in Gerar. Now, Gerar, this place that he is, Gerar is a word that means sojourn. So he sojourned in sojourn. He sojourned in a place of sojourning, or sojourn town, we can call it. And he said to Sarah, his wife, she's my sister. He said of Sarah, his wife, she's my sister. Same thing. Second verse, right? And Abraham, king of Gerar, or not, not Abimelech, king of Gerar, and Abimelech there, um, just to throw out, add out, the word means my father is king. So he's, he's a big guy. He's a big shot. And Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent to Sent and took Sarah. He didn't know. He's just listening to what they said. And, and uh, this is what was, at the time, culturally appropriate. We would be disgusted by that idea. That a king could just take someone into his harem. But that was, at the time, culturally appropriate for that day. Um, he takes her into his 
um, harem. Sarah is 90 years old, remember. Yet she's so beautiful at 90 years old that Abimelech brings her in. But God doesn't allow... This, what we are seeing here, that is a threat to the promise, isn't it? God said, by this time next year, you're going to have a child. There's a threat here. There's a threat to the promise. What happens if something bad happens to Sarah? What happens... I mean... What happens if others look at Isaac later on, who she's going to have, and accuse Sarah of, of, uh, of having an illegitimate child with Abimelech? There's a threat to the promise here. There's a threat for the reputation of Abraham and Sarah, and a threat to the reputation of God. And so God prevent, he puts a stop to Abraham right in his tracks in his sin. He comes to Abimelech in a dream by the night and said to him, Behold, you're a dead man. There's another passage in the first five books of the Bible. I didn't look up the text reference. But behold, your sin shall find you out. Abimelech has this dream. He didn't even know he was in sin. And God comes to him and says, Behold, you're a dead man. That's got to be terrifying. Now, Abimelech had not approached her. So he argues with God. He says, I haven't done anything. I've taken her, yes, but I haven't touched her. He says, Lord, will you kill an innocent people? That may sound familiar too, doesn't it? Think of uh, what... Abraham was pleading with God about whenever God told him, I'm going to go to Sodom and Gomorrah. Will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? And here Abimelech is saying, will you sweep away someone who's righteous, someone who's worked, who has not done anything? Will you sweep away someone who's innocent? I haven't touched her. Will you sweep away an innocent people? Will you kill an innocent people? Did he not say of himself, she's my sister? And she herself took, said, uh, said, he's my brother. He protests against this condemnation of judgment and says, in the integrity of my heart and the innocence of my hands, I've done this. And you know what's funny? God agrees with, agrees with him. He says, yes. I know that, in the, that, you, you, that you have done this in the integrity of your heart, and it was I who kept you from sinning against me. Abimelech, he didn't know. He was just doing, again, what was culturally accepted at that time. He didn't know who this was. He didn't know that Sarah was married. And God says, yes. I know you didn't know. I know you haven't touched her. And it was me who kept you from sinning. God had the ability to keep Abimelech from sinning. He can keep us from sin as well. And think that's what Jesus taught us to pray. Isn't it? 
We think of the Lord's Prayer. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Jesus taught us to pray that God would keep us out of temptation. And it's a mercy, it was a mercy of God to Abimelech that God prevented him from sinning. And he could do the same for us. You have a sin that easily entangles you. Pray. Ask God for help. It's what we all need to do. It's what I need to do. We pray. And sometimes we grow weary of praying. Jesus taught us to pray, lead us not into temptation. God has the power. He is able to keep us from sin. He kept Abimelech from this sin. And He protected Sarah and Abraham from this threat to the promise. Then, God gives Abimelech the instructions. Now then, return the man's wife, for he is a prophet, so that he will pray for you, and you shall live. But if you do not return her, know that you will surely die, you and all who are yours. First of all, God tells Abimelech, this man is a prophet. Think what Abimelech must be thinking. He's a representation, he's a representative of God. He's one who gives God's message, and yet he does this? He's a liar. His lies put me in danger. And yet he's a prophet. Think of the honor that God bestows on this sinner in saying, He's a prophet. And then, also, he says, but if you do not return her, know that you shall surely die. Those words may sound familiar as well. You shall surely die. Adam and Eve. God gave them one command. Don't eat from the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And for the day that you do, you shall surely die. The phrase there in the Hebrew is dying you will die. It's the same exact phrase. You shall surely die. God means business there. So Abimelech, he's not wasting any time. He rose early the next morning and he called on all of his servants and he told them these things. He told them what God had had told him. And the men were very much afraid. They heard this word from God and it terrified them. They were afraid. They they had the fear of God in them. God put the fear of God in them. And Abimelech called to Abraham and said to him, What have you done to us? And how have I sinned against you that you have brought on me and my kingdom a great sin? You have done to me things that ought not be done. And Abimelech said to Abraham, what did you see that you did this thing? This this also, I think, kind of echoes some of the things we've already heard before. 
God comes down after Adam and Eve had sinned and says to Eve, what have you done? Cain kills Abel. God comes down and He says, what have you done, Cain? And here, we've got these words coming from Abimelech saying, what have you done? Ringing in our ears. What have you done? You, you can't do that to people. And Abraham justifies himself. He said, I did it because I thought if there's no fear of God in this place, then they'll kill me because of my wife. Again, from Abraham's own mouth, I did it to protect myself. He's using his wife as a human shield, putting her forward in danger to protect him, his, his own self. And then he justifies himself and said, well, actually, she really is my sister. Now, that's strange to us. It's very, that, we, we, that's unthinkable. I mean, we, we have a crime, that's a crime in our society today. Um, in the ancient world, I'm not even going to justify it and say that it was, it was okay at that time, but that, that is recording the history there. The things that we are recorded here are descriptive and they're not prescriptive. They're, they're, they're describing the way things are and they're not saying this is good or bad. It's just saying that, that he was married to his half-sister. It tells us he was, she was the, had, uh, the daughter of his father but not the daughter of his mother. So he was kind of saying, well, well it, technically it really was true. And how often do we find ourselves doing that too? Well, technically, it really was true. We can be dishonest. Abraham saying, well, it was just a little white lie. Primarily, the primary relationship that Abraham had with Sarah was one of husband and wife. Regardless of whether the fact that they were technically really brother and sister, they, that was his wife. <coughs> So how does Abimelech respond after this encounter with Abraham and he returns Sarah? Abimelech took sheep and oxen and male servants and female servants and gave them to Abraham and returned Sarah, his wife, to him. Isn't that something? What did God tell Abraham back in chapter 12? I'm going to bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. Abimelech was right on the edge of cursing Abraham by what he was doing. And yet God kept him from sinning. And Abimelech blesses Abraham. He's like, hey, if this is God's prophet, I want to be on his side. And he, he hands over all kinds of, of goods. He hands over sheep and cattle and, and servants. And then he says... Behold, my land is before you. Dwell where it pleases you. Now that also should sound familiar from this, these very texts. Abraham and Lot. When they part ways, what does, Lot, what does Abraham tell Lot? You survey the land, take whatever you want. Right? Here, Abimelech says, very similar to what Abraham has said to Lot, you see all the land, you take whatever you want. 
And on top of all of that, he gives Sarah, uh, I'm sorry, he says to Sarah, he's given a thousand pieces of silver as a sign of innocence in the eyes of all and that, that, that Sarah is vindicated. That she, he, it's a sign that she has remained pure, that she has not been violated. And after all of that, after God prevents Abimelech from sinning, after Abimelech repents and returns Sarah, he heals. During the time that Sarah was there in Abimelech's household, apparently um, God had closed the wombs of, of uh, all, the, all the women that, that uh, Abimelech's household was not able to, to have um, to get pregnant. Uh, that, which means I think it's more than just a day that this has taken place. It's probably a longer period of time. You don't, you're not barren for a day, right? So, he returns Sarah and God heals the household of Abimelech. So what does this mean for us? The big thing that I, I came to this with is Abraham had sins that were constant um, temptations to him that he fell in over and over. They were habitual sins. And each one of us has something that we have patterns and sometimes we may not even be aware of them. Sometimes they may be culturally acceptable in the world's eyes. And yet they're things that are destructive to us our relationship with God and to others. We need to pray that God would open our eyes to those things and that we would repent from them and that He would keep us from sinning. We need to pray the Lord's Prayer. Lead me not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And we can also see here in this text that God blessed Abraham in spite of his sin. That's not excusing Abraham's sin. Abraham's sin was horrific. But at the same time, God had made a promise to Abraham and he was faithful to his promise and Abraham's sin was not going to mess up God's promise. And so when we struggle with sin, when we have again, for the thousandth time, had to confess and say, God, I'm sorry, I did it again. I don't want to lessen the impact of saying we need to repent of those each time. But at the same time, don't think that God is not big enough to use you and to forgive you and to bless you even in spite of the remaining sin that you have in your life. That doesn't mean make peace with it. It doesn't mean invite it into your house. But know that if you've trusted in Jesus, if He has forgiven you, if you've been born again, nothing's going to interrupt God's plan. Even your sin.
think this is a great encouragement. Each one of us in our own minds can think of areas where we have consistently blown it. Just like Abraham consistently blew it. But God is faithful even when we're unfaithful. He will keep His promises for the sake of His name, for the sake of His promise to Abraham, for the sake of His own promise eternally within the Trinity. That God would give a people to the Son. Jesus said um, that the Father has given Him a people. God will keep His promise to His Son. He will be faithful to His own name. And He will be faithful to His promise to Abraham and to us. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.com or you can like us on Facebook.